0: Good evening and welcome to our Monday Thursday service here at GBC via our online platforms. Uh, my name is Adrian. I'm the lead pastor here and it's my absolute joy and privilege to welcome you uh, as part of our Holy Week remembrance celebration. Um, I often say that we as Christians should be really celebrating Easter more than any other holiday that we have um, and I don't necessarily know that we do it justice as much as we probably should, but it's a real important time for us as we gather to remember all that Jesus has done for us, as we gather to remember all that he journeyed through so that we, you and I, would have freedom, forgiveness, and life everlasting. Just a few things to remind you, we, we would love to connect with you, and so if you're not yet part of our, our fellowship online, uh, connected with us, if you email connect at gbchurch.org.uk, we would love to um, get you onto our mailing list and journey with you as you join us for Monday, Thursday and beyond, hopefully, that we could do life together. And we're also on all sorts of different social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter. We would love to connect with you in those ways as well. And all of our services are are, are live streamed and you can also go back and watch them and share them with other people if you'd like as well. But we're also a fellowship that believe in prayer. And we love to be praying together for one another. We're going to spend some time praying tonight, but we also love to be praying for you. And so if there's something that you need prayer for, or somebody you know needs prayer for, do get in touch. uh, Prayer at gbchurch.org.uk. And we would love to be praying with you and journeying through all that we've got together. But we come together tonight for Maundy Thursday. And and that word Maundy comes from a distortion of of the Latin word mandatum, which is essentially mandate. And um, the whole reason that I guess we kind of see through tonight that there's a, a series of mandates, a series of commands that we see Jesus give us as followers, as disciples, that he um, lays on our hearts and teaches us through this uh, last day or last days of his life. And on the night when Jesus um, was betrayed, this night which was so difficult and painful, and I don't think we always wrap our heads around fully, um, he was having a meal with the disciples and, and it was a very eventful meal. It was at the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread of which Passover takes part, And it was a night of of service, a night of remembrance, a night of betrayal, and a night of arrest. And the the truth is that Maundy Thursday for us is a remembrance of the emotional roller coaster that it was for Jesus, as well as the disciples and all those who loved him and followed him. And so tonight we're going to hope to reflect and remember much of that night. We're going to hope to, to, to place ourselves in the feet, uh, in the shoes, or sandals, I guess, as the feet would have been, of the disciples. To maybe recognize the depth and the darkness of what this night represented 2,000 odd years ago. But with our 21st century hindsight, we're also going to enter into tonight knowing that, that the darkness comes, yes. But we're also going to remind ourselves that the joy and freedom comes as well as a result of all that we remember tonight. So I'm going to start with a bit of prayer and then we're going to sing our first song of worship tonight. And then we're going to dive in to some more reflections for the evening. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come together in this way. Lord, we thank you for the life that Jesus led. We thank you for the the amazing teachings that he gave. We thank you for the amazing miracles that we saw. Lord, we thank you that simply he gives us the blueprint of how to live life honoring you for you. We thank you that we can come together tonight, even though it is not how we would ideally hope for or wish for or desire. We thank you that we can come virtually together to remember the night when Jesus was betrayed, to remember all that he went through for us. We thank you that you're present by your spirit. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us, encourage us, empower us, Stretch us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' precious and awesome name, amen. Amen. We're going to turn our, uh, our focus now to a, a, a song of sung worship. And, and it's a song that kind of maybe places up maybe where we left off on Sunday. Palm Sunday, a time where we were crying out, Hosanna, crying out, save me, as Jesus entered, as we crowned him. And that's where we start tonight. And so with that, I'm real thankful to welcome Mike, who's going to lead us tonight in song worship.
1: I see the King of glory coming on the clouds with fire the whole earth she We spray and seek We're on our knees We're on our knees Hosanna, Hosanna Hosanna in the highest Hosanna, Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest Hosanna We sing Hosanna To you Lord. Hosanna Hosanna me how to love like you have loved me break my heart for what breaks yours everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into Eternity Yes, break my heart for what breaks yours Everything I am for your kingdom's cause As I walk from earth into Eternity Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna
0: we cry. Amen. Thank you, Mike, for uh, leading us in that way. And so we step into the room with the disciples. On that night when Jesus was betrayed, we we step into what would have been a meal. For most in the room, a great meal of celebration Jesus knowing what is coming, knowing his end is near, but also knowing that he came so as to take the sin of the world, so that all who believed in him should be fully restored to the Father. And so we read in Scripture, set in the scene, John 13, 1 through 17.
2: John 13, 1 to 17. had put all things under his power and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, "'Are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied. "'You do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand.' "'No,' said Peter. "'You shall never wash my feet.' Jesus answered, "'Unless I wash you, you have no part with me.' "'Then, Lord,' Simon Peter replied, "'Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well,' Jesus answered.' Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them.
0: We see on this evening where they're gathered for a meal, Jesus' last, we see Jesus wash the disciples' feet. Jesus gets down onto his knees. He, he humbles himself and washed their feet. But he does this, setting an expectation for his followers to do the same. We see in Scripture, in Matthew 10, 24 through 25, the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants Like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? There's a warning there from Jesus to his disciples that they are to expect to be persecuted like he is, and he shares that they are expected to humble themselves and serve each other, to wash each other's feet. Why, Why the feet? Again, culturally, at the time of Jesus, That was a job reserved for the servants because their feet were dirty. They were wearing sandals and they were walking through streets and there was dust and there was dirt. There was mud. There was animal feces. Feet were unclean as an understatement. But Jesus takes that position of a servant and he says, hey, I will wash your feet. I will serve you. Let me be an example to you to serve one another. An amazingly interesting thing to me is that he washes all the disciples' feet, including that of Judas. Judas, the one who will betray him. Judas, the one who who will literally turn him over. Jesus still serves him. He humbles himself and serves even him. And normally on Maundy Thursday, I give the opportunity for us to do a modern day foot washing. We would come to the front of the church and there would be basins on each side and people would come and and have the opportunity to, to wash someone's feet and have their feet washed. Symbolically, of course, representing as well the fact that we will serve one another, that we will journey together and we can't be in the same place together, let alone touch one another and wash each other's feet. But I want to remind you of what we're called to do as we follow Jesus. The example that Jesus sets. This is, you got to recognize that the last moments that he has with his disciples, he, he knows it's coming and he could have set out all the things that he wants to remind them of, of. Hey, don't forget this and don't forget that and don't forget. But he decides to do it by simply enacting what he's asking of us. And so maybe we can't wash each other's feet the way we Possibly, normally would and Some of you are thinking, whew, that's great because that's a bit bit rank. It's a bit difficult. (laughs) But perhaps there's somebody in your household or somebody in your bubble. Maybe someone who you've been journeying the pandemic with whom you can turn around and say, you know what, this is a bit weird. It's a bit awkward, but I want to serve you. I want you to know that I'm committed to serving you. So, hey, can I wash your feet? I want to encourage you as you're watching this later on in the evening to take some time to wash the feet of someone around you or several people around you. Because there's something powerful in the act of us humbling ourselves, making ourselves smaller, getting down on our knees to say, hey, I will sacrifice myself, I will sacrifice a piece of me to serve you. Are we willing to follow the mandates that we see Jesus give us, the commands that he's teaching us on this Maundy Thursday. But the disciples weren't just gathered for any reason, but for that of the Passover. And so we're going to read Luke 22, verses 7 through 16, which says this. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. Well, he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things as, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. They come to celebrate a Jewish tradition of theirs, something that they would have been used to doing every year, that Passover meal. And that is something that we actually, again, last year had plans of celebrating a Passover meal together as a family, as a fellowship, for us to truly dive into the cultural roots, the significance of what the Passover means. I have a good friend of mine who um, is Jewish and he was going to come and spend the night with us and walk us through a Passover meal together. We weren't able to do it last year, weren't able to do it this year, but I'm hopeful and praying for next year. But there is so much in that Passover meal that that represents the, the, the amazingness of who God is and what he's done for his people, for the Israelites and ultimately for us through that of history and they were celebrated, it's still celebrated today. And part of the meal will include things like a matzah, which is an unleavened bread, which is eaten symbolically three times during that meal. There's a bone of lamb to represent the, 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 the sacrifice, that Passover, paschal sacrifice. That when the temple at Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life, Jews would go there at pilgrim festivals to sacrifice a lamb or a goat. There's an egg as part of this meal to represent sacrifice, but also has another symbolism. Food usually becomes soft and digestible when cooked, but eggs become harder. So the egg symbolizes um, the Jews' determination not to abandon their beliefs under the oppression of the Egyptians. There's also greenery, which was usually lettuce to represent new life. There's salt water to, present, to represent the slaves' tears. There's four cups of wine to recall the four times God promised freedom to the Israelites and to symbolize liberty and joy. There's a charaset, or caraset, depending on how you pronounce it, a paste made of apples, nuts, cinnamon, and wine to represent the mortar used by the Israelites to build the palaces of Egypt. And then there's also an extra cup of wine placed at the table, and the door is left open for Elijah, because Jews believe that the prophet Elijah will reappear to announce the coming of the Messiah and will do so at the Passover. So we see that they gather for this incredibly symbolic, incredibly important meal. And it's in the midst of this that Jesus gathers and continues to teach his disciples then and teaches us as well. Because then we see a new mandate.
2: Luke 2219 19-20 And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you.
0: Over of of celebration, but in one sense of preparation for Jesus, He mandates, teaches, commands that we would celebrate communion. And we're going to do that now. And we can come to the table with 21st century eyes, knowing already what Jesus has done, knowing that the bread representing his body broken for us and the blood representing the the, the blood shed poured out for us brings freedom, forgiveness, and life everlasting. We can come to the table knowing these things. And and, and maybe if you're watching this for the first time, I want to tell you that, that Jesus welcomes you to the table. All who know and love the Lord Jesus are welcome to the table. And on the night when he was betrayed, on this last night with his closest of friends and family, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. And then after the the meal, he takes the cup and he says, this is the, the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink in remembrance of me. And so tonight we come to the table as the disciples would have come. For them, they would not have fully understood even what Jesus was saying. But we have that 21st century view. And so we come and we take of the bread, his body broken for us. And we remember Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And then we take the wine, the new covenant in his blood. And we take and we drink in remembrance of him, proclaiming his death for us until he returns. And so, Father, we thank you. And we praise you. We praise you that that Jesus, after the life that he led, the way he taught, that on this last night, he commanded us, he mandated us, he taught us how to remember him. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you not just that you taught us how to remember you, but Lord, we thank you for what you did that deserves remembering. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you for your blood shed for us. And we pray, God, that we would be transformed by your spirit to live a life worthy of you. In Jesus' precious and awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we come back. Take a step away from the table for a moment but still remembering the table. We're going to sing another song, a song all about what we've just participated in, remembering Jesus' body and Jesus' blood, broken and shed for us.
1: away slain for us and we remember the promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross so we share in this breath we drink. Half is sacrifice, as a sign of our bonds of. Savior Jesus Christ torn for you eat and remember the wounds that heal the death that brings us life paid the price to make us one and so we share in this bread of life and we drink of is sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of stain of sin shed for you drink and remember the dreaded death's cup may enter in to receive the life of God and so we share in this bread of life and we drink of this sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of and faith we rise to respond and to remember our call to follow in the steps of christ as we boldly hear on earth as we share in his suffering we proclaim Christ will come again, and we'll join in the feast of Him around the table of the King. Yes, as we share in His suffering, we proclaim. Christ will come again and will join in the feast of
0: On the table of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Mike. Apologies for um, the, the mishap with the lyrics. That's my fault. Uh, a bit of an issue there for me. Apologies for that. But we continue on and we see that so far Jesus has mandated to serve one another, to remember him, to remember Jesus, Jesus serves and remembers, even with the one who betrays him. And then we see that on the night when he serves him, when he serves Judas, Judas betrays him for just a little bit of silver. And then comes the next mandate, the next command, as we turn to John 13, 31 through 38, which says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where, am I, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked Lord, why why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. What a powerful moment and an exchange between Jesus and the disciples we see this this teaching to serve, to remember, and then to love, to love one another. And I love that Jesus tells the disciples, you need to love one another the way I have loved you. And you kind of go, wow, what a weight, what a responsibility because Jesus has loved us better than anybody could ever love us. Yet we have to love like he has loved. And then he goes on to say that it's by that love that others will recognize that we are his followers, his disciples. I wonder if I can ask you, when people look at how you love those around you, and people look at how you love those within the church, because here he's talking to the disciples, so he's talking to followers, so can I ask you, the way you love your brothers and sisters, is that reflective of the way Jesus loves you? I would love to say that as a global church we're getting this right. But it's probably on Monday Thursday when I'm most reminded and most hurt by the fact that we as a global church don't love one another very well. And perhaps, maybe as a local church, in your experience, I don't know where you are, whether it be GBC or if you're new or you have another home, I don't know. Perhaps you've experienced pain and suffering from within the church. And 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 We are different and there's a diversity that exists in in the richness of God's people. But there's a difference between diversity and division. And I think we're called to be diverse. We're called to love one another. Somehow we've ended up being divisive and argumentative and hatred filled and (laughs) ended up in a place where we have not shown the love that we are and where it is most apparent and most obvious is where when you have conversations with non-Christians, perhaps those exploring faith, they might say, well, who, who, who do I go to? What church? Where do I go? If You guys can't even be nice to one another. You guys can't even agree with, your, with, with each other. Then, then what hope is there for me? I think we have to be reminded tonight that Jesus calls us to love everyone around us. Yes, but he calls us to love our brothers and sisters as he loved us. It's a big responsibility, a big call. I wonder what he might be saying to you right now. Who around you are you called to love a little bit more, perhaps, than what you have been? And then, after this amazing meal, after this amazing time where he is pushing and in teaching and encouraging where he is reminding or mandating for the first time perhaps or reminding for those of us really paying attention that that the the disciples are called to serve um, not just themselves but those around them. that they're called to remember Jesus and that they're called to love one another and then he goes off and he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane he's going to spend some time in prayer and and we see how Jesus in this time is, is let down yet again he asks the three, the closest of his disciples, to, to stay awake and watch, and they don't, and they fall asleep. And as he's crying out, and he's crying out to God, our Heavenly Father, and he's, he's so stressed, he's so like, pushed and concerned, emotionally, physically, spiritually drained, that he's actually sweating blood. It's a massively distressing time. And there are no clips. I've, I've tried to see some of the you know, video clips of what I'm a very visual person. And I love to see things. I'm like, there, I don't think there are any clips out there that do it justice. Because we always see a, a somewhat disturbed, oh, frustrated Jesus. But, but to get to the point where you're sweating blood. Where you're frustrated. Where you just know that the weight of the world literally is on your shoulders. And then it is at that garden after he prays, after he cries out to the Father, Lord, take this cup if you can, take it. Can it be any other way? But your will, not mine, he says. And then comes Judas. And he betrays him with a kiss. Oftentimes thought of as a symbol of love. Again, the irony that he's teaching the disciples to love one another. And a symbol of love is what is used to betray him. And I wonder how many of us sometimes might be like Judas. I wonder how many of us sometimes might feel like we're traveling with Jesus, that we're loving him, and, and, but, but, but we're easily distracted and possibly easily betray him for something as ridiculous as a bit of silver. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not calling any of us a Judas, but I wonder if there are aspects of us that we need to reflect on and remember. And so we're going to take a minute, a minute to to think, to pray, to perhaps ask the question, are there aspects of ourselves that are like Judas? Are there aspects of ourselves in which we are betraying Jesus? Aspects of ourselves in which we are not loving one another the way Jesus has instructed us to? Are there aspects of us in which we are not remembering Jesus? the way he's asked us to? Are there aspects of our lives and ourselves in which we are not serving as we've been called to? So let's take a minute now to think and to pray and be led by God's Holy Spirit. be saying to you right now? I wonder what God by His Spirit is stirring up inside of you. On this Maundy Thursday 2021, in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of life feeling like it's upside down in so many ways, in the midst of buildings being empty, of us meeting only virtually, in the midst of us remembering the most pivotal moment In history, this week marks so much for us as Christians. I wonder what God is saying to you right now. But we draw our evening to a close. The same way the disciples would have felt stunted, shocked, incomplete. Is that it? Is this all we're doing? Surely there's more. We can sing another song. We can do a bit more. We need to do more. That's how the disciples would have felt. I want to encourage you, as we wind down in just a moment, to spend some time in the sandals of the disciples. Because we so quickly brush over Maundy, Thursday, jump to Good Friday, and then automatically jump to Easter and go, woo! But imagine what the disciples were thinking, feeling. We read that Peter declares he will never do anything to leave Jesus. We know what's coming, he didn't. They've just seen the man who they've loved, journeyed with, traveled with, eaten with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The man that they've seen perform miracle after miracle after miracle. The man that they've heard preach over and over who's bringing a change to the world. They've just seen the man that they put all their hopes in. Arrested and marched off. This was not how it was meant to be, they think. Is this it? What do we do now? And so, as we prepare to end tonight, we end with those thoughts in our minds, those reflections in our heads. The reminder to serve, to remember, to love. The reminders that Jesus mandates. But we're going to pray. And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together as we come to a close. And we pray it as a reminder That God is in control. That with with our 21st century hindsight, we see that he is in control and that this is his will. Jesus being arrested and taken to the cross is his will. For the sake of you and me. So that we could have freedom, forgiveness, life everlasting. Everlasting. So we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but I don't want you to leave those reflections as disciples yet. Let those weigh on you tonight as we enter into the morning of Good Friday as well. With that, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And so we leave tonight. And I ask that you perhaps just shut down this feed, turn off the video, and just sit in silence. Give yourself some time to remember the ways that Jesus was let down, the ways that he was betrayed. Tonight is a a sad night in one respect, especially if we're standing in the sandals of the disciples. Sit in silence knowing what he has told us to do, to serve, to love, to remember, to remember him and his life and his sacrifice. And while we know with our 21st century hindsight that it will be amazing Again, the disciples at the time did not. Tonight is a sad night. and They did not know it yet, but it was going to get sadder. So I thank you for joining us. I hope to see you tomorrow morning for our Good Friday Reflections at 10 a.m. But until then, we mourn the betrayal and we reflect on the serving, remembering, loving that we are called to do. Until next time, stay blessed.